I trust that this series, Love Thy Neighbor, has been encouraging you as it has me to walk in love and keep my love walk sharp. And so today we're going to pick up on session three or lesson three. A pastor's been sharing with us from two core scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So let's, let's start there this morning as we go to the Word of God in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 31. I'm reading from the MEV version. And one of the scribes asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered in verse 29, one of the uh, verse 29, Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. The entire Old Testament hangs upon the royal command of love that we just read here. And you know, in another uh, version of this, in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, uh, Jesus was speaking to a lawyer, an expert in the Torah, and he tested Jesus about this love commandment saying, Who is my neighbor? Well, you know, you're probably familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. This is how Jesus responded to this question. He threw the question back at him. He asked him, now which of these three do you think was a neighbor to those who fell among thieves? If you remember the story, there was a man who fell amongst thieves and there were three people that came by him. There was the priest, the Levite, and the Good Samaritan. The priest passed by, the Levite passed by, but the Good Samaritan stopped and attended to his wounds he showed compassion and Jesus responded to this lawyer and said, you go do likewise. And so who is our neighbor? There's no limitation on that. Our neighbor is our world. Our neighborhood is our world. In other words, Jesus demonstrated under the old covenant through the gospels what it meant to be a neighbor. Our world is our neighborhood. Then we come to the close of the gospels where Jesus is sitting down with his disciples at the Last Supper, and there as he is instituting a new covenant with his disciples, he gave specific terms to operating in that covenant. And we picked that up from last week. Pastor Jonathan had shared with us from John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. And it reads, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Notice, he said, love one another as I have loved you. In other words, Jesus demonstrated the God kind of love to his disciples. He took the love commandment from the Old Testament into the New Testament and he amped it up. He took it to a whole nother level. If you look at his life and watch how he demonstrated the Father's love to us, it was unconditional, it was sacrificial, and that's the love that he calls us to walk in. The unconditional God kind of love. So today, as we are in this week three of this series, Love Thy Neighbor, I want to give a takeaway for you. And our takeaway for today's uh, teaching is love is the way to victory 
and good success. I love that. Love is the way to victory and good success. In other words, as a believer, you can't enjoy true success if love is not incorporated in that. How do we define good success? This is how I define good success. Healthy relationships, a good name and reputation, leaving a legacy to my children and my family. Remember what Jesus said, a man's life doesn't consist of the abundance of things which he possesses. It's not just about accomplishments and having things and having wealth and money. The most important thing in life is relationships. What good is all your wealth and accomplishment if your relationships are broken, if there's regret in your life, if there's pain in your life, if there's strife in your life, all of that really doesn't matter if at the end of your road, you're unhappy and miserable. And you know, a lot of people are in that position today. So Jesus gave us that love commandment and he made it clear to us that love, it's not an option for the child of God, but also love is not a burdensome thing. The yoke that Jesus places on our life to walk in love, it's not burdensome. He's given us the ability and the capacity to love others with the same love that he walked in. Love is the way to victory and good success. First John chapter five tells us this in verses one through four. The scripture reads, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves the one born of the Father. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And listen, His commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world and the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. Now that victory, that word victory means the means of success. When we release our faith and obey the love command, we put ourselves in a position to experience good success. We begin to experience God's Spirit working in our life to help us to succeed in our every endeavor, in all of our relationships. That's God's plan for us. He wants us to succeed in all of our relationships. You know, if you read the New Testament letters, you'll find that there are many instructions and many commands in the New Testament. All of these instructions and commands, I believe, they're called love commands. They're not burdensome, but rather they are a means to success. If you want success in all of your relationships, then you have to embrace the love command. You have to release your faith and exercise your faith. You know, faith works by love. The two work hand in hand. You know, there's two sides to faith. There's faith that receives and then there's faith that puts into operation. You know, we receive God's promises for healing. We receive God's promises for salvation. We receive God's promises, uh, you know, for the things that we need personally in our lives. But then there's many commandments in Scripture throughout the New Testament that we're to release our faith. We're to take a step out. Faith is an act. Faith is an action. And so when we receive the love command, understand the love command, the next step is to take a step of faith and act out in love. 
And, you know, there's many situations, there's many people that we deal with. Some are easy, some are difficult. But faith says, I choose the way of love. That's what faith says. And I hope that your faith rises up today and joins with us as the Company of Believers International Family Church. We are a church of faith, of believers who say and declare from the bottom of their heart, we choose the way of love. Listen, we have been born again. And this new birth gives us the capacity to walk in the God kind of love. The Jesus kind of love. A love that is unconditional. A love, yes, that's even sacrificial, putting others before yourself. It's a love that is impartial. It puts no boundaries. It reaches to people, to people that are maybe not like us. That's the love of God. That's the love that Jesus demonstrated throughout the Gospels. He was impartial. He reached to those who were in need, those who were not like himself. He reached out across Jewish lines and he reached out to Gentile people who were not of the Jewish faith. He didn't put boundaries on the love of God. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so glad that Jesus reached down into my life some 40 years ago and, and demonstrated his love and forgiveness and acceptance to me so that now I, as a, as a believer established in the love of God, I can do likewise to those that I come in contact with. So consider what the Holy Spirit has done in your life. Let's take a look at the power of the new birth. Our spirit man has gone through a rebirth and a renovation job. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 to 6, talks about that. It says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared uh, toward mankind appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal. Notice I put in there, that's my, my uh, comment there, renovation through the washing of rebirth and the renewal or renovation of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Paul is explaining the new birth here. When we were born again, something happened on the inside of us. Our spirit was washed clean. Our spirit was reborn. Our spirit went through a renovation, a transformation. Think about this. You are Holy Ghost indwelt. God lives in your spirit. Your spirit and God's spirit have been joined together. That's a powerful truth. That's a powerful understanding. And with that comes the understanding that everything that God is and possesses is residing in your spirit. You're connected with God. So that tells me something. If my spirit has been recreated with the nature of God, with the presence of God and the power of God, then I have the ability to fulfill all the commands that He places on my life. The Holy Spirit who renewed you, who caused you to be reborn, who transformed you from the inside out, who made your spirit perfect. The Holy Spirit can help us 
walk in compassion and forgiveness towards others. We also have a spirit man that is incorruptible. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. This, this incorruptible spirit has the ability to release that God kind of love. It says here in 1 Peter 1, verse 22 and 23, Since your souls have been purified by obedience to the truth, that speaks of us coming to the, to, to the cross and accepting the gospel through the Spirit unto a genuine brotherly love. Listen to the command here. It says, love one another deeply with a pure heart, sincere love, real love, authentic love, transparent love. Verse 23 says, for you have been born again, not from perishable seed, but imperishable, King James says incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. There's something imperishable, incorruptible, something that's perfect on the inside of you. That's your spirit. Your spirit, man, is perfect. And love emanates not out of the soul, but out of your spirit, out of your born again spirit, the recreated spirit, the, the spirit that the Holy Spirit did a renovation job. You and I, we have the capacity to love others with the God kind of love, with the Jesus kind of love. We have the capacity to love unconditionally and yes, even love sacrificially, putting others above ourselves. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 is another great scripture, all talking about the new birth here. We have a new nature that also produces Godward desires. God puts his desires in us through the new birth. Listen to what 1 John 3, 9 says. It says, whoever has been born of God does not practice sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. That's talking about something here, about a new nature that God places in us. And, and with that nature comes godly desires, God word desires. Those desires emanate out of our spirit, man. It doesn't come out of our soul. doesn't come from the body. It comes from our reborn spirit. Praise God. That's powerful when you understand that, that the new birth gives us the capacity to love. It gives us new desires from our heavenly father. And it also creates self-awareness. And this is really important. We find this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We have a new nature that brings self-awareness. In verse 18, it reads, We know that whoever is born of God does not keep on sinning, but whoever has been born of God guards himself, and the wicked one cannot touch him. You notice the phrase in all these scriptures I'm sharing with you about being born of God. It's talking about being born again. It's talking about having a rebirth. It's talking about the Holy Spirit and your spirit being joined together so that now God is in you and you have the capacity to love with the God kind of love. Whoever is born of God does not keep on sinning, but whoever has been born of God guards himself. Now the King James Version says, keeps himself. Now this is really very important. The word guard means to keep watch, to prevent injury by keeping your eye open. In other words, keeping an eye on yourself. Wow. 
we need to keep close eye and pay attention to how we conduct our affairs, how we conduct our tongue, how we engage in conversation. So this word guard simply means to keep watch, to prevent injury by keeping your eye open. Your spirit will keep an eye on your flesh. Your born-again spirit man, listen, grieves when you sin. You know, when you step into a place and whether you sin with your mouth, you sin with your thoughts, or you sin with your actions, something happens in your spirit man. He grieves. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit and your spirit are one. And so your born-again spirit man will grieve when you sin. It'll warn you when you are about to sin. And listen, it will rejoice. You'll find peace and joy when you resist temptation, when you overcome temptation, when you walk in obedience to God's commands, there'll be a peace and a joy that you're doing those things that God wants you to do. So look, look at what the new birth does for us. It's powerful. Number one, it gives us the ability to, to love with a supernatural love. It also gives us the desire to want to please and obey God. And it also gives us the ability to be self-aware. That's so important, especially if you desire to lead in the church, you desire to lead with your family, you desire to lead your wife and children, whatever the case might be, we're all leaders to some degree and a leader needs to be aware of his own self, his own disposition, his thoughts, his attitudes, his actions. And you know, because you're born again, because the Holy Spirit lives inside you, he will make you aware of those weaknesses in your life that he wants you to put under the microscope and let him refine you. Let him bring change in your life. Let him refine your personality. Let him refine your talk. Let him, you know, get involved in your thought life. So you're thinking only those things that are pleasing to the Lord. Wow. That's a great place to start to know that we have the capacity to walk in the God kind of love. Now, as a church, God wants us, think about this, He wants to put us on display to our neighborhood. He wants us to be a good neighbor to all the surrounding communities as a church. And, and He prayed a very powerful prayer for His disciples and for those that would believe the disciples' preaching. In John chapter 17, again, this is at the same setting at the Last Supper where he gave them that new command to love one another just as he loved them in the same manner, loving unconditionally, loving sacrificially, loving with the God kind of love. He offers this prayer, and I'm only going to read a segment of this prayer in John 17, verse 20. It reads, and Jesus is praying to the Father, and he's praying for us. He says, I do not pray for these alone, speaking of the 12 disciples, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. May they also be one in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. Wow, that's a powerful prayer. I have given them the glory. Now, keep in mind this word glory. I have given them the glory which you gave me, that they may be one even as we are one. You think about Jesus and the Father 
you look through the Gospels there and, and Jesus only did the things that he saw his father do. He only spoke the things he heard his father say in prayer. He was in step with his father. The father and Jesus walked together in sync. They were united. He was in the father. The father was in Jesus. And that's what he's describing here for us. Again, verse 22, he says, I have given them the glory which you gave me, that they may be one even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in unity and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This is a powerful prayer for unity, but we need to take a quick look at this word glory. You know, that word glory is used in a lot of uh, different contexts. You know, it's kind of like the word anointing. We throw that word anointing around. Oh, that, you know, the sermon was anointed. That man's anointed. That preacher's anointed, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we kind of throw around the word glory as well. But what was Jesus referring to when he talked about the glory that was on his life that he was going to place on our life? What was that glory what, that he was referring to? He was referring to the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus had the Spirit of God without measure upon his life. Read it through the Gospels. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He had the Holy Spirit within him and upon him. And Jesus has done that for us through the new birth. The Holy Spirit is within us and the Holy Spirit is available to come upon us to serve our community. So when Jesus prayed for that glory which he walked in to be given to us, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Did that prayer come to pass? Absolutely. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were born of the Spirit of God. You were born with the capacity to love others with the God kind of love. And so when we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit... We will walk in love. Now, there's a lot of great messages on how to be led by the Holy Spirit, how to follow the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. Following the Holy Spirit or being led by the Holy Spirit is the same thing as walking in love. It really is. It's synonymous. When you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, when you yield yourself to that glory that's on the inside of you, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, you will walk in the God kind of love. And so if we're going to experience unity so that God's message can affect our community, then we need to practice yielding to the Spirit every day. Now, I like to put it this way. We have a choice every day. We can yield to our spirit, man, or we can yield to our flesh. Because, listen, we have all got flesh. We can all be tempted. We can all go through some stuff and get our feathers ruffled and act in a way that's not appropriate. How do we walk in this unity that Jesus prayed for? Well, yield to that new man. Yield to that divine nature. Yield to the Spirit of God within. Yield to your own spirit, man. I like what Ephesians 4.24 says, Put on the new nature which was created according to God in righteousness and holiness. There's something righteous and holy about your spirit. It was created in the nature of God. It is perfect. And out of your spirit, 
is the ability to love others with a supernatural love. But it requires a choice. Every day, we have to practice to yield to the Holy Spirit. Listen, we're on a journey this year to grow together, to take courage and, and to do our best to put ourselves under the microscope and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with us and, and, and to take steps to change and make adjustments in our life so that we become more like Jesus. When we do this together as a team, we're going to put ourselves in a whole new dimension as a church. We will usher in a greater measure of God's presence, a greater measure of God's power. And when people come to church, they will sense it. They will pick up on it. God's presence and God's power will be displayed through us to bring healing, to bring forgiveness, to communicate acceptance to those who are dealing with all kinds of issues today. Those who are dealing with family dysfunction, those who are dealing with brokenness, and those who are dealing with regret in, in relationship. There's so many people out there that need the touch of Jesus, and that touch is going to come through us. That touch is going to come through International Family Church. That's us. That's our family. We're united together with one mind and heart, and we desire to reach our neighborhood. We want to be that good neighbor just like Jesus was. He was the good Samaritan and we want to be just like him and convey, convey his, his compassion, his grace, his love, his kindness to the world that is around us. Walking in love is a quality decision. It is a choice we must make every way. Listen, love is the way to victory and good success. So let's talk about yielding to our spirit man. You know, there's times when walking in God's love is going to be the most difficult thing you will ever, ever do. You know, think about this. When you've been wronged or you've been harmed, you've suffered or experienced trauma, you've encountered a loss in your life, your reputation was attacked, you were defrauded, the list can go on as to all the offenses that can come our way in life. The question is, how will you respond? You have a choice. Will you yield to the spirit man or will you yield to the flesh? Don't let any event in life rob you of the freedom that you have in Christ. I love the scripture that says, He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Well, when you're born again, you step into a place of freedom. But as believers, we need to guard that freedom because offenses will come our way and we can get into unforgiveness. We can get into resentment and anger and we can lose the freedom that Jesus died and paid for us to experience. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it here talks about our freedom in Christ. Verse 13, it reads, You brothers have been called to liberty or freedom. Only do not, let, do not use liberty or freedom to give an opportunity to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Why did Jesus set us free? For the purpose to live out our life loving one another, serving one another, preferring one another, giving to one another, supporting one another, and so forth. Verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But listen, this is a warning here in verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you are not consumed by one another. How is it that we bite and devour one another with our words. 
Our words are meant to bless. Our words are meant to heal. Our words are meant to mend and to build up others. But have you ever been in that time when you were overcome with an offense and you were offended and you lost your perspective and all of a sudden your mouth began to run south and you begin to bite and devour? You know, when our kids were toddlers, there was a season in their life where they practiced biting. And I've never been bitten, but you know, words can hurt. Words can maim. Words can kill a reputation. You know, think about how powerful our words are. Our words are meant to be a blessing to, another, to one another. When we are hurt, the first response typically is to retaliate with words. But listen, we need to respond with forgiveness. Walking in love can be the most difficult thing you will ever do. Yeah, it can be a struggle. I get that. Walking in love, you know, involves a quality decision. Uh, a quality decision that says each and every day, listen, I'm going to yield to my spirit. I'm not going down the road of the flesh. I'm going to yield to my new man that has a new nature, that has a supernatural love residing in it, that has the, the ability to make me aware of myself, my actions, my thoughts, and my attitudes, and how I should conduct myself before the Lord. To be a good representation for Jesus. To be an effective witness to our community of the love and compassion of our Lord Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's our choice every day. Listen, if you walk in the Spirit, you automatically put the flesh under. It's almost like you encase your flesh in concrete and throw it in the river. When you yield to the Holy Spirit, yield to those promptings, follow those checks, listen to when you're grieved on the inside, when you follow the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we know what the lust of the flesh involves. It's all kinds of sins and bad attitudes and, and negativity. We don't need to get into all that. Verse 17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Verse 17 talks about a struggle. Sometimes it's a real struggle for us to forgive, particularly when the offense runs deep in your life and you've been hurt. But listen, you have no other choice. There is no other option for the child of God. We have been given a new command by our Lord Jesus who demonstrated it for us that we are to love unconditionally. You might say, I can't do that. Well, true, in your flesh, you can't do that. But listen, you've been born of the Spirit of God. You've been born of love and you have the capacity to do it by faith. Let's read the next verse, verse 22. We skip down a little bit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, I like to put it this way, the fruit of the reborn human spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Wow, that's quite a list there. 
that really defines what kind of character should be in our life. The Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. No, love is at the front there. I, I like to look at this, that the fruit of our spirit man is love. And you can peel the layers off and you can see how uh, different aspects of love. We have joy, we have peace, we have patience and gentleness. All these wonderful qualities are a result of walking in love. So we need to follow after the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit can be seen in our life. Verse 24, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts. And so how do we crucify the flesh? We follow the Holy Spirit in our life. We follow after the new man. Verse 25 says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. That's, that's the flesh. To provoke one another in a negative way, to be conceited, inflated with pride, to, to, to relate to others in a condescending way, that's the flesh. Envying other, others because of their success or their prosperity, all of that is of the flesh. Those things need to be crucified. They need to be nailed to the wall. How do we deal with those things? Very simple. We follow the Holy Spirit in our life. We follow the desires of the reborn human spirit. And so if you want to have good success in your life, if you want to have healthy relationships, a good reputation, you want to pass on a good legacy to your children, a legacy by that, I just don't mean finances and inheritance. I'm talking about the legacy of faith and, and having a good reputation. Uh, then you need to be committed to following the love command and sowing to your spirit on a regular basis. Galatians chapter 6, as we close here, verse 7 through 10, tells us this. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. That's the life of God, the Zoe life of God. Verse 9, And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we faint, if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially the household of God. Listen. Love is the way to victory. It's the way to good success. Make a life commitment that, that, that says, I choose to embrace the love command. Faith says, I choose to walk the way of love. That's not just a, a, a try it. It's not just an option. It's a lifestyle. And I know my pastor, our staff, our church, our dream teamers, we're committed to walking in the God kind of love. We're committed to loving people unconditionally. There is no greater joy than to exercise that God kind of love so that other people are touched by the presence and power of Jesus. There's no greater joy than that. And so I want to encourage you today as we bring this third session to a close, learn to love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Our neighborhood's pretty big. Our neighborhood is North Reading, it's Bill Ricca, it's Lawrence, it's Boston, 
It's Nashua, New Hampshire. It's Shrewsbury out west, out on the pike. It's our neighborhood. It's the metropolitan, metropolitan area. Our neighborhood is our community. And, you know, think about our, our church, our neighborhood. There's so much variety, so many differences, different backgrounds, different experiences. Don't let those things prevent you from being the person God created you to be, to be a person who loves with the God kind of love. Think about the prayers that Paul prayed. He prayed for the Thessalonian church that they would increase in the love of God. He prayed for the Philippian church that they would that their love would grow and abound. He prayed for the Ephesian church that they would discover the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of the love of Christ. Paul knew that in order for us to operate in the love of God, we've got to have a revelation of the love of God for us. God loves us so much that he gave his only son for us. Jesus demonstrated the Father's love by sacrificially giving himself up on the cross. And as he did that, he made the way for you and I to have the love of God embedded into our spirit. We have the capacity to love others with the love of Christ. Let's open up our hearts. Let's be ready to be used by God. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that you demonstrated through your son, Jesus. Father, open up our eyes. Give us a fuller revelation of the, of the love of Jesus Christ. Expand our ability to love those that are around us. We thank you, Father, as we embrace the love command. Father, we expect to see victory in every area of our life. We expect to see good success in all of our relationships, in all of our endeavors, in Jesus' name. You know, perhaps you're watching today and you're new to church at home. You've been watching us for maybe a few Sundays or maybe this is your first Sunday here today. Let me extend to you an invitation to receive Jesus Christ. Receive the gift that God sent into your life. As I said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe should not perish but have everlasting life. There's nothing like it. When you discover how God loves you, he's forgiven you, he accepts you, it'll change your life. All you have to do is believe the message of the gospel. Believe that Jesus died for you. Take a step today. Pray a simple prayer. Can I lead you in that prayer today? Just pray this simple prayer. Pray it from your heart and mean it from your heart. Say this to God, God in heaven, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I accept you into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for accepting me. From this moment forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.